Protect your name. Protect the name that God has given you. Protect the name that bears your family, family lineage. When your name is spoken, what do people say? When your name's brought up or it appears on a card or appears on a document or it appears on uh, the screens behind us, when your name is brought up in conversation at school, at college, the workplace, when your name appears at a basketball game, what, what comes to mind when your name is spoken? What, what do you think about when you see your name appear on a document? Well, a variety of things happen. Even this week for me, my wife thought this was very funny. Uh, my name appeared on AARP, piece of mail that came to our house. And uh, she actually saw it and she, she laughed out loud when she saw it. Yeah, it just said, and she, she chuckled because it said on the outside of the envelope, there's a card enclosed. She had a lot of fun with that since I'm just about qualifying for AARP. So I opened it up and saw the document. There was my name, Jim Brown. And they said for 16 bucks, Plus a free trunk organizer, you could have a AARP. I want it to mail back. You'll never see me mail this back. Never mail it back. But what happens when your name appears on a document? What happens when your name is spoken? What happens when you hear names in public or hear them in private? What happens when you hear somebody talking about a name? What comes to mind when you hear these last names? Just think about what are the first thoughts that come to your mind when you hear these last names? McVeigh. Kennedy, Hussein, Roethlisberger, Woods, Lohan, Graham, Newton, Trump, Mickelson. Winfrey, Vic, Gates, Jackson, Mother Teresa, Swift. What automatically came to your mind? Maybe for some, you're probably wondering which Jackson, which But what came to mind when a name was just spoken in a public place on a Sunday morning? What character sketch came to mind? What characteristics came to mind when those names were served? Names carry value. And all you have to do is speak them. All you have to do is say them in public. And when your name appears or your name is spoken about, what automatically comes to mind for someone in the conversation distance of your name being served? What do people think when they hear your name? I'm going to give you a chance here in the link and in South Bend, Mishawaka, even across the internet and right here in, in the main. Give you a chance to speak your name. What is your last name? Here in a few seconds, I'm just going to let you speak your last name out. And so... Just, just say your name. Say, shout it. If you're proud of it, shout it out. Let's, let's just hear the names that are spoken in this place all over here and all over the link in, in South Bend, Mishawaka, as you're seated there and across the internet as you're looking at this computer screen. Just say your last name on the count of three. One, two, three. <laughs> Woo! Let, let, now, everyone else quiet. Let's hear that one again. The loud one. You know who you are. <laughs> Come on. What was your name? All right. There we go. 
Oh, he said it for him. But what comes to mind when your name is spoken? Something automatically comes to mind when we heard Veenstra. Something comes to mind when you hear other names. Your name carries weight. I love going to sporting events. I love going to, to extracurricular activities. I love when I see the name that's been passed down to me by my father that's been passed down to me. I love it when I see my name, Brown, appear on my kids' clothing. I love when I see my daughter, Hannah, wear a hoodie, and on the back, there's Brown. And she'll probably hear, boy, I like that name. Looks good on you. Or I see my son's name appear on the ball diamond or basketball court or baseball field. When I, when I see their name appear, when I see Hannah running cross country and on her gear, it has Brown on the back. When I see the name Brown on the back of my kids, something happens to me. It doesn't happen to you if you're mother or father. When you see your name on the back, uh, of, a, of a, a jersey or a shirt. What happens when you see your name on the back? Well, even this shirt today, I have one of Josh's basketball warm-up jerseys there. When I see name, this name on the back, something happens to me when I, when I watch him wear this because it carries value. And the question is this, when your name appears on your children, wherever they're at, what comes to mind? Do they say, oh, that kid doesn't have a fighting chance <laughs> or, or that, that kid's got a chance or I bet that kid has this quality. I bet that kid has that quality. We have something that comes to mind because we have done something. We've attached flesh to our names. And the Bible has a lot to say about names. And I want us today, as we walk through this legacy series, to take seriously this name that's been handed to us from a bloodstained Savior. I want you to grab your Bibles, and I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. You need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. If you don't have a Bible, take this Bible home with you. If you have one at home, just leave it on your seat afterwards. But turn to Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 1 to 6. And we're going to read this here in a second. But if you need a Bible, keep your hand up. Ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3, and let's look at verses 1 through 6. Proverbs 3, stand with me and we'll read it together. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 1 to 6. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You may have a seat. Solomon, who was a very wise person, is showing us the benefits of a good name. And he's showing us here that if we cling to the teachings of God, if we're obedient to what he wants us to be obedient to, if we take this faithfulness and wrap it around our hearts and our minds, and we bind this, these truths to, to around our heads and our hearts, that you will win. Look at verse 4. Then you will win what? What's it say? Favor and a what? Good name. Look who you get it from. In the sight of God and the sight of man. So it is possible that you and I can take this name that's been handed down to us from generations past. We can take our name that's been stamped with the blood of Jesus Christ because we bear his name. And this name that we know, that people know us by can have the favor of God and it can be a good name in his sight and in the sight of people around us. That's good news for us today. 
That's real good news for us because our name has value. It has flesh. It has characteristics. It has attributes. And those attributes can be passed down to the next generation. That's good news. But truth be known is this. Way too many families, way too many children are handicapped by the name that's been given to them from an unfaithful father, from an unfaithful mother, from an ungodly mom, an ungodly dad, from a person who put disgrace and lessened the value of the name that Christ had given them. Solomon is speaking from experience here. This is the same man who was given more wisdom than any man ever walked on planet earth. Yet it's interesting if you watch his life, the words he spoke are great legacies that he left. But his actual life that he lived, he didn't even live out his legacy to the potential he could have because of poor choices that he made. Your kids will be impacted by your words. They just will. I've been impacted by the words of my parents. I've been impacted by the way they live their lives. And so your life impacts not only your present life, but generations to come. The way you live gives your children permission to do the same regardless of what you say. You know, it doesn't matter. Last week we talked about words and how important words are, but our actions are just as important. I can't stress how important this is for you and your children and their children's children. The way you live directly impacts the baton that you hand off to them. We've been handed a generational baton. I want you to think about this in the form of a relay. We're in this relay of life. Think about if you've ever run a relay in track and field. If you've ever been in track and field and you've had a mile relay, two-mile relay, or a quarter-mile relay, 400-yard relay, or meter relay, there are four individual events or four individual people in this relay. And if you're the second, third, or fourth runner, the person behind you hands you a baton. They hand it off to you and say, hey, finish this race. You hand it off to the next person, finish this race. And if all four of you run this race to the best of your ability, you'll finish in the place, hopefully, that you wanted to finish. So I want you to think about that from a a relay perspective. All of us have been handed a baton, a relay that started way before we ever entered life itself. And on this baton that you have, I've stamped my name. Your name is stamped on your baton in this relay race. So picture if you're ready in this relay race, your second, third, or fourth runner in this race, and the person behind you is ready to come, and you have your hand back, and you're ready to receive this baton from this generation behind you. They're passing off their legacy to you. And so the baton is there. And so you're ready. Now, Think about what all is taking place. In order for you to get a head start on everyone around you, in order for you to finish this race and stay in your lane and complete it to the redemptive potential that Christ has given you, it's, it's nice to know that you have a head start on someone else. But you've seen relay races, and I have too. Have you seen them where the runner coming behind you trips up and falls, and they fall down, and you watch that baton just fall out of their hands and it's like, oh, and then, and then they scramble for it and they reach back up. And by the time they pass it on to you, you're way behind in this race called life, way behind. And some of us, that's what's been handed to us from the generation behind us, from our mother and our father, this baton, this generational baton is handed and we're already way behind because we've had a parent, a mother or father behind us that's, that's stumbled along the way and it has made poor choices and they didn't stay focused on the prize and run ahead. 
And some of us have had parents who along the way who decided while they're running the race, can you imagine running this relay race that the runner is dressed, get on your mark, get set, go. And they just go right, climb over the fence and go over and drink a Coke. It's kind of like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We're in this race. And we've had family members that have done that. We've had family members that said, well, I don't even want to run the straight and narrow. I don't want to run this race. I'm going to go my own way. And there you are waiting. You're way behind. And so eventually you hardly ever get a chance to get out in front. And then some of us have been handed a baton by a faithful mom and a faithful dad. And you pass off to you and you take it. And in the handoff, they're way ahead and you drop the baton. You drop the ball. And you walk away from God and you walk away from this race. And so the next generation that you're about to pass it to is far behind. You see, every step that we take, you and I, in this thing called life, this generational race is passed down to people in front of you and you've received it from people behind you. Some of you are making up lost ground. Some of you are way ahead because of faithfulness. The word of God said that if you're faithful and righteous in your generation, that it could affect thousands of generations of godliness. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 22 and verse one. Let's think about this a little more. Let's see what Solomon has to say. Look at Proverbs chapter 22 and verse one. Solomon goes on to say about a good name. He reminds us that you have a good name in the eyes of God and the eyes of man. Look at Proverbs chapter 22 and verse one. It says a good name is more what? What's the word? Desirable than what? Great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or what? Now think about it. Is that possible? Solomon says a good name is more more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Now why is that? What Solomon is saying to us, if you hand off to your child in the next generation a name of godliness, of faithfulness, of integrity, and dignity, of love, and you've passed this on. It says the value of your name, just the name, just the name itself, the name that you pass on, the baton that carries your name, it's worth more than millions and billions of dollars. Truth be known, most of us can't pass down the wealth that we'd like to our kids. But what we can pass down is a generation of faithfulness. And when we hand that baton, the word of God says it's more desirable than great riches. Think about that for a second, what that means. Here's what that means. Your name carries great value. Your name that you have that's been handed down to you from a father behind you. Your name can give your children and their children's children a head start. It can give them a fighting chance to make it through this life. It can give them value that's more than gold and silver. In other words, when you live a life of faithfulness, you hand this off to the next generation and it is more valuable than any wealthy investment that you'll ever have. Think about that. That means we should protect this. If this name is more valuable than gold and silver, then we should carry it with dignity. And we should try to walk and run on that path that God has given us because this is something that we pass on to the next generation, your name. And what are you passing on? When your name is passed on to junior or sis and then their children and their children, 
the word of God says it's more desirable and to be esteemed larger and higher than gold or silver. Can I ask you this question again? When you pass off this generational baton with your name, what kind of value have you passed on? Solomon says it's more desirable than great riches. Isn't that true though? Isn't it? Think about it. When your name appears and and, and, and appears in public, when 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 your name comes up and it's stamped on your children's back, I want people to say, wow. I want that kid on my team. I want that kid, I want, to, I want to have them as an employee because their father and their mother lived for Jesus and they were men and women of integrity and they were hard workers and they loved Jesus and they had purpose in their life and they were sold out followers of Christ and they understood what it meant to be handed a name from a redeemer who died on the cross. That's what we can pass on. But what are we passing on? Are we passing on this tripping up in the lane of sin? Are we passing on running the opposite way? What are you passing on? Are you passing on faithfulness to the next generation so that they have a fighting chance and can succeed for Christ? It's pretty special to be a parent. And a lot of us are parents in this room. It's very special to be a parent. And I don't take that lightly. I love my children, and most of you do too, very, 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 very much. But we don't love our kids as much as God loves them. But I also know this. I am always disappointed and always hurt when I see parents who constantly complain about having to care for their kids, like their kids are a burden to them. Well, if I didn't have my kids, I'd be able to do this. And if I didn't have my kids, I'd be able to do that. And if I didn't have my kids, I'd be able to do this. And it's like, can you do this and that? They're just, I've had a long day with my kids. Let me just remind you of something. They didn't choose you. You chose them. And if your kid constantly hears that from you, whether it's in fun or in jest, that will, they will be the kids that are labeled as burden kids. Some of us need to really, really think about that. Some of you are very guilty that's telling everyone you need a break and how glad you are to have time away from them. And I understand we need time away, but listen, not at the expense of putting a stamp on them that says burden child. It's an awesome privilege to be a parent. I love being a dad. I love raising my kids. I love watching them walk through this life, through the hardships and the the adversities that come and the the trials and the victories. I love having a front row seat to Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah, and so should you. But there's also this great accountability to have is how am I going to hand off this legacy to them? Believe me, they're watching us. They're listening to us. There's history to your name. And some of us get the chance to, to add to our name to the legacy that's been passed and for some to rebuild it or start over. Have you ever looked into the glass window at a hospital where a newborn baby is? You know, you go down to the nursery and there it is. And, 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 and all the cute little babies are in there. I mean, just precious gifts of life. And there they are. 
and they're in these, these, these infant cribs that are there. And, and a lot of times as you stand, I remember when Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah were born, after being able to hold them and care for them, they had to go get some shots. And I remember standing at the window and there were people around me and we're all standing in there. We're looking in, into these babies that were like a day old or two days old and we're looking in there. And then on the end of their little holding container, this plastic container, this little bed was the name Brown. And every party would say, that's mine. Hey, there he is. See that cute little girl with the blonde hair and blue? Brown. There's something that happens to you when you see the name Brown or your last name, and that's your child. And you've passed down this legacy to them. And let me tell you, when I see, when I watch my children be born, there are parts of me that says, oh, I want to give them a fighting chance in this world. And I want to pass on dignity and integrity and character so that my kids can flourish for Jesus Christ. That's what Solomon said. A good name is more desirable then great riches to be esteemed is better than silver or gold. You see, I'm just being honest. I long for my kids to have special privileges. I want them to have VIP treatment. Doesn't any parent? I want them to have front row seats. I want people to be able to say, they, the Browns, I want them to open doors and I want to give my kids a seat on the front of life. I don't want them at the battle from behind because of some stupid sinful choices that I've chosen to take. I desire that when they go for whatever career it is one day, that when their name appears in resume on all these resumes and when, they, when the, the, the next employer looks through, oh, Brown, we got to give her a chance. Oh, Brown, we got to give him a chance. Because if he's anything like his mother or anything like his father, then, then maybe we ought to give him a chance. I take my name seriously because it was bought with a price by a Savior that loved me a lot and went to the cross and he said, Jimmy Brown, you're my son. I don't take that lightly. I take that and I want to carry that with dignity because of a bloodstained Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus started it a long time ago for us and we get to reap the benefits of a Savior who passed life and salvation down to us. And he says, here, take the baton and carry it to the next generation. It's a daily battle. And I know this, all it takes is one moment of weakness and you could throw away everything. But I want my kids to say, my daddy fought and my daddy was tempted and my daddy fell at different times, but he didn't stay down long. He got back up and by God's grace and through repentance and confession of sin, he continued to fight to the end and he fought for our family name. And believe me, this fight, it begins at home. And sometimes we lose sight of that in this world that we live in and we're supposed to fight for it. It starts at home. I wish I could tell you how important a name is and how important it is to your legacy. I wish... I could walk into your life and you could walk into my life at a moment of weakness and say, don't do it. Don't do it. It'll put your family back a quarter of a mile. It'll put your family back three quarters of a mile. It'll put your family back so far that they're not even sure they're in the race with the same people. You see, here's why. Because I sit with people and so do you who have been handed a name with a whole bunch of baggage attached to it a name that has been foreclosed, 
a name that has spent more time in a pawn shop being traded for some fleshly desire. How often does that happen? You just trade it in. It's like, oh, I'm going to trade my name in. Here, let me have this fleshly desire. And you put your name up on the shelf. And there it is. And they go back and they hold it hock. And you go out and you spend it on this fleshly stuff. It's like, no, that's my name. It doesn't belong in a pawn shop. It is the DNA of Jesus Christ. Let's live for him. And all across our world are names that have been traded for evil, for sin, and for lies. Yet we have a chance to pass on something that's so good to our kids. You see, I see kids that get scarred because dad spends more time at work chasing down a dream. And so does mom. And we shut them out. I, I see kids that come in and all they want to hear is I love you. I, I, I'm proud of you. And I see, I see teenage girls and juniors and, and, and junior high and senior high. Quite frankly, their, their, their dad is absent because he's really successful as a CEO and he's really successful running down this dream and he's real successful. Our mom's real successful here. But when it comes to the home front, they're nowhere to be seen. They're chasing down their dream. They're the best this and the best that. Yet you see them in public, mom or the kids aren't even near them. And one of my favorite moments in scripture, I love this snapshot we're about to look at is a picture of a really old man. And when AARP hit my mailbox this week, it made me appreciate him more. He's at the end of his life. I mean, he's old, he's a hundred plus. Yet his zeal for God is off the charts. He's giving his farewell speech. Now you're giving your last speech and he calls all the leaders, all the officials, all the judges, his family. And it's like, this is my last voice to you. This is my last speech to you. This is what I want to pass on to you. And it's found in Joshua. Turn to the book of Joshua and look at verse chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23. And the man is Joshua. I just picture him standing there. He's giving his farewell speech and he's 110 plus. I mean, he's got dentures and hearing aids and his body is weak and he's got, you know, Coke bottle lenses and he's standing there and he, and, and, and I, I just picture, now this is the guy that, that had climbed mountains and said, let's take that mountain. And he led charges across the battlefield. He meets to say goodbye to his leaders and elders and judges and officials. I picture him rolling in in a camouflage SUV after just leading a class at Greencroft and P90X. That's kind of how I picture Joshua. Fighting right to the end. Come on, another setup. Come on, come on. I just picture him right at the end of his life. This is spunk and zeal in this guy who, who had great faith and who bore the name of God in an incredibly distinct and dignified way. And so he's standing before his people and it says this in Joshua chapter 23, look at verse one and through eight. After a long time had passed, the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them. Joshua by then old and well advanced in years summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials and said to them, I am what, what did he say? old and well advanced in years. In other words, arthritis has been set in for a long time. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. He's reminding them of the past. And he says, remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes, all the land of the nations that remain the nations I conquered 
between the Jordan and the great sea in the West, the Lord, your God himself will drive them out of your way. He will push them out before you and you will take possession of their land as the Lord, your God promised you. Then he says, be strong. Let me picture this guy. Just, just gumming the people and telling them, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or the left. In other words, stay in your lane, stay in your lane. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their God or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord, your God, as you have until now. In other words, don't get out of the lane, stay in the lane, finish the race, carry the baton of faithfulness. And then he says this in verse 14. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. In other words, I'm about to croak. I'm old. I'm about to die. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. In other words, saying, listen, don't give up after I'm gone because the same God lives on and he did all this already and he'll continue to. And then he says this in verse chapter 24 and verse 14. Turn over to that chapter 24 and verse 14. So he's standing there at the top of his lungs. Then he says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worship beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will what? What's he say? In other words, hey, it's either God or it's not God. It's either Satan or it's Jesus Christ. And then he says, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. And then he says these words that I just picture him. He's standing there, I mean, at the end of his life, just after just battle weary and standing for God. And then he says this, I mean, imagine what it must've meant to his grandchildren and great grandchildren and his sons and daughters. And at the top of his lungs, he says this, but as for me and my household, we will serve what? The Lord. Now that is legacy. That's handing down a name that has value. That's handing down something that's more desirable than riches. He says, as for me and the Brown and the Joshua household, we will serve the Lord. And when I hand this baton off to you, this generational baton of faithfulness, you will be out in front. I love the spunk of Joshua here. I love that first and foremost, he wasn't willing to waver in any fashion, even late in his hundred years old. I just picture him. There's this this gladiator kind of guy. I look forward to meeting Joshua because I would love to see this guy who had faith. He said, certainly he and Caleb said, let's take that mountain. And this picture of the belief and faith he had in God, whatever God said, he did. And, And he went out and took risk and faith for God. He was the real first gladiator. There's a scene in the movie Gladiator that always moves me deeply. It's when Maximus is out on the Colosseum floor and he, he's slaying all these oncomers and, and the emperor's the son is up in the seats and he's watching. He's like, who is this guy? And he has this mask on him. He goes down to meet him. And there's Maximus, Gladiator, the Gladiator standing there and there's there, 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 Russell Crowe, he's ready. And he pulls out his mask and, he, and, and this emperor, the son sees him. And he's like, whoa. And then at his best, 
best voice, he tells him, I am Maximus, the son of a slain emperor, blah, blah. And it was just powerful, see, not backing down. And I often wonder if I could see Joshua playing that part, standing in front of his people and saying, I am Joshua, the son of a bloodstained savior, born to a virgin mother, conceived by the Holy Spirit, raised in the shadows of a Jewish father rejected by most, whipped and beaten with rods, hung on a cross with a sword in his side, left for dead and buried in a a cave. Yet three days later, after he breathed his last breath, walked out of the tomb that was guarded by a boulder, armed with soldier and lives. I picture him standing there and saying, that's the God this family will serve from this day forward. Please serve him. Now that is legacy, church. That's legacy. And the problem is this, though. Some dads are winning on the front far away from home. And they're adored. And, oh, that's my boss. And you're winning in all the sales. And you're winning in all this. And yet on the home front, your kids don't even know you. And your wife, she doesn't know that you exist. And all your time spent strategizing and, 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 and developing and and articulating vision is spent over there. And God said, it begins with the family. Listen to me. If you win there and don't win at home, you lose. You're not successful in this world of handing off the baton if you put your family and children at risk. I know that's strong, but your family must be a first priority right after God. Your name must come with a cost to you. Bear it with pride. Bear it with dignity. Don't let anyone or anything squash its value. You're supposed to be the scout for the family, dads. You're supposed to fight to death for them. Not for the next sale. Not for the next dream that's not your children. Fight for them. That's where you hand the baton. You don't hand it off to this investment. You hand it off to them. Not for your boss, not for some sports team, but for your family, first and foremost. If you're not winning at home, then you're losing. And I love at the end of Joshua's life, chapter 24, and look at verse 31. Look what happens. I mean, this is, this is a real living life. Chapter 24 and verse 31 says this, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of whom? Who? Joshua. In other words, as long as he was out on front and he was the scout, he carried his name with dignity. He said, we will follow Yahweh. And it says, they served throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who what? Outlived him. In other words, he passed that baton down and they continued to follow hard after God. And who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. See, there is nothing that would... Encourage my heart more than this is to know that somehow only by God's grace, if I was able to hand down faithfulness and dignity and character and love for Jesus to my children and to know that beyond the grave, when I'm enjoying my savior, to know that my children, Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah were still living for God, I would be broken with joy. Be the scout for your families, dad. And while I'm at it, dads, God's given us a great responsibility. And if you read scripture, you see that 
through the DNA and imputation of sin from Adam, sin has been imputed the whole way down to us. We care and bear great responsibility. But Exodus 20 also shows us this, that not only can we pass down to the third and fourth generation sin and unfaithfulness, it says that we can impact in Exodus 20 and verse six, that we can pass down thousands of generations of righteousness. And that's what I want to pass down. I want to pass down to my children and their children and their children, a grandfather and a great grandfather and someone else. And they look back, let me tell you about my great, great, great grandfather. He stood for God. That's the greatest thing you could pass down to your children. And you can't stand guarding sitting somewhere else. You must guard the doorposts and the, and the door frames of your house. Ask yourself this question. What do you spend your waking hours defending and strategizing for? Is it this over here and that over there? When all around you, you have this beautiful wife and these children that need you to stand at the doorpost and defend for them. We're supposed to take the hits for our family. We're supposed to say, as for, as for us in our home, we're going to serve God. And it begins with us. We have to start wherever we're at. It's not too late. The past is gone. And some of us have been handed something that set us back a little bit. But with God, all things are possible. And he can overcome any hurdle and obstacle that we've been handed. Put God back first in your home again. So how do you do that? There's, there's some simple ways. Just start simple. Make your house a house of prayer. Dads, listen to me for a second here. Husbands, listen to me. One of the greatest things you can do for your family is pray for them. One of the greatest things you can do for your wife is to place your hands on her each day and, and pray a prayer of blessing. One of the greatest things you can do for your children is pray for them. Be a prayer warrior. By God's grace, one of the things that he helps me do, because I wouldn't do it on my own. There's some days that I've left the home. It's like, oh man, I got to go back. And so each morning I go and I, I place my hands on my precious wife, Ann, because she, I love her dearly. And I lay my hands on her and I just say, honey, I want to pray over you. And I pray, God, I pray a prayer of blessing and favor upon Ann Catherine Bortner Brown. I pray, God, for protection. I pray for wisdom. I pray, God, you'll give her joy beyond herself. And I pray for my kids. I pray for their future spouses, that they would love Jesus Christ. I pray that my children would be world changers for Jesus. I pray you'll protect my wife and this family from the arsenal of Satan. I pray blessings and favor and protection. And then I leave. Dads, husbands, you can do that. That's a great way to defend the doorposts of your home. Another way you can do it is real simple. We live in a world, and all of you would attest to this. Everyone else wants your children's time. Anything they sign up for, whether it's choir or chess or music or sport, anything that's academic, bowls or whatever it is, everybody wants their time. This coach, that coach, this person, that teacher, they want their time. And we spend so much time running them everywhere. And what happens is it begins to creep into to family time and it begins to creep into valuable time that you can have. And it begins to creep into worship time. And before you know it, on Sundays, you're out running, doing all this other stuff so that your kid can become the champion pogo stick jumper. And so, oh, they're going to be the best. And so you take them 100 miles from here and you come back and you come into worship and you're wiped out. Listen, dads, take the hits and say, it's time. I take a hit for my child and say, coach, teacher, 
One day a week, we're going to have the Sabbath and we're going to rest around Jesus Christ. If you don't do it, I can tell you what's going to happen in 10 years. There won't be a Sunday morning worship because we'll be worshiping all these little plaques and ribbons and medals. That's a dad that cares. And truth be known, if your kid's good enough, that coach will play him anyhow if he misses a practice or she misses a practice. See, that's hard stuff. But that's what we've been called to do. Put Jesus first in your family to anything. Fight back and gain control. Pastor Rich shared from his heart a few months back what he has seen even in youth groups today. He watches as sophomores and juniors and seniors. He watches this lack of interest and he watches a girlfriend or a boyfriend come into their life and they become more interested in this boyfriend and girlfriend or this sport. They're tired. It's Wednesday night. I'm tired. I need to study because Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, blah, 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 blah. I've been busy doing this other stuff. And the other night I got it on Wednesday night. And so I stayed home and cram, 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 cram. And yet somehow we're letting it happen. It's like, well, that's a good choice. And so they stopped coming to youth group, Rich said. And it breaks his heart. I watch him weep over this. And yet we have these parents say, oh, it's okay. And your kid comes and says, oh, I don't know. My friends aren't there. And, 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 and my, you know, I, I, it's just not the same. There's these people that come that don't know Jesus and they're disruptful. And I want to say, well, praise God. They're there. And yet we let them. We just, well, it's okay. And then we patronize. I know it's hard being a teenager. Listen to me. Take back the ground. Make it a priority for them. Would you rather them become the best pogo stick or the best follower of Jesus Christ? See, that's hard stuff. You don't like to hear that. And it broke Rich's heart as he studied it. Yet Wednesday night rolls around. You know what? There's some parents that says, oh, he doesn't like this or she doesn't like that. And so you let him stay at home. Fight back, fight back, fight back. You know what it might mean? It might mean that your child doesn't like you as much as they liked you when you told them that. But in the end, there will come a day when they'll say, thank you, dad. Thank you, mom. It might require you make a new name because some of you need to start over because the name that's been given to you has lost a lot of its value. And you've been handed a baton of unfaithfulness and ungodliness. So what? Reverse the curse. I love breaking chains with the power of Jesus Christ. I love breaking them so my kids don't have to fight through it. You can, with God's help, build a new identity and a new legacy to your name. It is possible with Jesus Christ. With men, not everything is possible. With God, all things are possible. For a man who understands chains that have been passed to me, I want to break them for my kids. I want to give them a chance to win that race. For some of you, it might mean this. You need to go home as a parent and say, I am sorry, I dropped the paw. I'm gonna be a better father and mother and I'm gonna defend for you and I'm gonna fight for you and I'm gonna go back and say, I'm sorry. From this day forward, it'll be different. This household will be a household of God. For some, it might mean you go back to your adult children who have, who have aged 20, 30, 40 years old and say, please forgive me. I want to finish my life strong with God and I want you to look ahead even when I'm 60 and 70 and 80 and see your mom and your dad 
faithfully serving Jesus and going back and saying, please forgive me for the way I didn't put Christ in the home. Whatever needs to be done, turn the tide. Just do it. As long as you are breathing, I don't care how old you are, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, there's still hope. And let me tell you something for those of you, I still look at my parents and get value from them. I still watch their lives and I'm encouraged or I'm disappointed by decisions they make because I know this, one day I will be them. And I want to see faithfulness and dignity because if I see it in them, it's like, then I can be that person too. Listen to me, those of you who are 50, 60, 70, 80, your children and their grandchildren still look to you for value and they look for you for a legacy. Please carry your name with dignity. I love turnaround stories and I'm witnessing, I'm in part of one even now. And there's many in these chairs in front of me. That's why I love grace, community. And there's this story of this family. I'm watching this person, this father say, you know what? I will stand for God. It hasn't been pretty up to this point, but from this day forward, and I watched this family come to know Christ in October and and I watched mom and dad get saved and I watched the son get saved in Christmas week. And then I watched the family get baptized and I'm watching this dad faithful. I'm watching this dad doing what he can to take back his name so that his name can bring value to the generation. And I just received a, a message from him even last night on Facebook. And he said this, and I love his simple faith. He encourages me so much. And he said this, can you please meet with me after the second or third service? I want you to save my son. Now we understand what that means. I love those kind of encounters. Someone who's taking that baton that's been tripped up, picking it back up and running that race. That's why Exodus 26 tells us, but showing love to a thousand generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. Psalm 71, 18 says this, for those of you who, who, are, who are in retirement or pushing that docket, it says, even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation. Your might to all who come. Those of you who are in your 60s and 70s and 80s who are standing out and still serving God, you inspire me. I watch you from a distance. You inspire me. And for those of you here today, the greatest gift that you can give your children is not another medal, is not another award extracurricular. It's the gift of salvation of Jesus Christ. Let's rewrite our legacies today. It doesn't have to end this way. No matter whatever you have to plow through, it's worth it. No matter what's been passed down to you as a father and mother, change it. What is your name? And what are you passing down to the next generation? God, help us today. God, I know there's not a person that they were really honest with themselves that doesn't want to pass down a legacy of faithfulness and godliness. And God, some of us have dropped the ball. Some of us are even coasting now. We say things like, well, I served my time. Let someone else serve. 
and we're sitting on the fringes when all the while our grandchildren and our children, our adult children are watching us and they're looking and they're saying, I don't wanna become like them or I want to become like them. God, may Grace Community and the families that are a part of this community, may this be the year that when we pass off the baton, it's a baton of faithfulness and godliness, a baton that gives our kids a fighting chance and puts them out in front and gives them front row seats to life. Please, Jesus, help us to be those kind of people. I don't know where you're at today, but I do know this. Some of you are being tugged at your hearts and you're saying, I want to pass the baton to the next generation of faithfulness, of godliness. It's time I take back my family for God. It's time I stand in the, in the power and authority of Jesus Christ as a grandparent and as a parent and as a brother, or as a sister or as a child. It's time I live for God. I will not drop this baton. I will run the race all in for God. I wanna pray for you today. If God has spoken to you on any level and you're saying, okay, Pastor Jim, God, from this day forward, help me. I wanna give my name and the family name and those that wear my name, dignity, character, integrity, power, and a foot ahead. If that's you, I'm just gonna ask you to move to the front and I'm gonna pray for you. Just kneel at the front. I'm not gonna prolong this. So if you want that prayer, favor and blessing and power from God, just come and I'm gonna pray and we're gonna close the service. You know if this is for you, just come. Just come and kneel and I'm gonna pray for you. If God is tugging at your heart, Don't sit there like you normally do and wimp out. Just come. Come in the link, come to the front, come to the screen. If you're in the back sitting at the tables, you're in the far corner of the recesses of that room, come. If you gotta crawl across some people in some chairs, come in the link, come to the front. If you're in South Bend, come to the front. This is your chance to pick the baton up and say, from this day forward, I'm handing value. God, I pray for those who've come in a humble way. I pray, God, that you would empower them with power beyond themselves. I pray, God, that you would protect them from the enemy. I pray, God, that new value would come to their name. I pray, God, that they would run this race and you would put a fortress on each side of their lane. I pray when the enemy comes, God, that you would block the enemy. I pray for victories. I pray for reconciliation. I pray for restoration. I pray, God, that the name that they bear, that you've given them, that comes from the blood of Jesus Christ, would be carried with purpose and passion and dignity and newness, God. I pray for children to run back to Jesus. I pray for grandchildren to to run back to Jesus. I pray for children yet to be would be Christ's followers. I pray when their name surfaces in public and in the the confines of, of this community that people say, wow, that family sold out to God. God, do it for them. 
And I pray, God, that you would give them extra wisdom, a double dose of your wisdom. I pray, God, that you would empower them in ways they have never experienced. I pray you would deliver them from evil. I pray that that you would keep them from temptation. I pray, God, for victory, victory, victory. And I pray for a baton of faithfulness to be passed to the next generation. Please, God, you're good at that. Do that, God. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week.